0: Awesome. One, I think we had Lyndon, stronger relationships with others. Uh, week two, is that Warren? Yes, uh, building stronger relationships with the Trinity. Look, here he is. Uh, and then week three was myself, building stronger relationships with self. And then this week we have um, Pastor Mike Robb, who's going to share stronger relationships with family. Now, Mike, um, if you don't know Mike, Mike is an ordained minister in the Acts Church, Uh, and he has been a part of this church, I think week one or the week before lockdown, which is tough. I know some of you guys would would understand what that's like, coming to a church and then dissipating for three months or whatever it was. So um, introduce yourself to Mike and Ruth, and Mike and Ruth are actually my in-laws as well. So they're Hannah's parents. Oh, everyone's supposed to go, oh, it's cute. Uh, But Mike and uh, and Ruth have been pastors uh, for many years, actually. You can talk to them. They've got great stories. And if you want cool stories, you should also talk to Mike. He's got great stories. Um, And so they they did missionary stuff in Papua New Guinea on and off for 12 years. Um, They pastored a church in Golden Bay. Uh, They helped pastor a large church in Dunedin. Um, And they've done mission stuff for years. They even did some mission work the last few years, last five or so years. And now they work for New Zealand... Church Missionary Society, um, and they, maybe he might unpack that a little bit, but they've got loads of experience, and we're really excited to have him here today. So can you give yours, uh, can you give Mike a big round of applause as he comes up and shares about Stronger Families?
1: Well, thank you for the welcome, and um, I, I have preached regularly for probably 35 or 40 years, and In some senses, it's like, yeah, yeah, you can do another sermon. But I haven't actually kind of formally preached since, I think, maybe about January this year. And um, I woke up this morning feeling a little bit kind of bilious and a little bit nervous. And I've gone over and over my notes to the point where I've probably got 10 times as much as I need. So I don't want you to panic about that, okay? I I know how to um, redact as I go along. Um, But look, it's a a pleasure to be here. We were... um, it activate church in Sockburn for about uh, 10 years or so, and um, it was a good season, really good season, and very involved there. Um, and it, it's kind of weird coming to another church and meeting a whole bunch of new people, I guess. At this stage in my life, I didn't think, oh, we'll, we'll move to another church and we'll kind of start again, you know. You get the retirement, you think, I'll probably be buried here. And God says, no, 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 we've got some other things for you to do and other people for you to meet, so Hello. What I want to do is I've got a number of slides that I've put together just to kind of, I guess, come into this, um, this subject about strong families or stronger families. Um, and then I've got some notes which I may or may not use you know, partially or exhaustively. We'll see how we go time-wise. Um, but I want to run through some slides first just to kind of get you in the, um, the frame. And as it occurs to me, plus my notes, I'll mention a few things to kind of personalise. Experience is the name that you give to your mistakes. Um, I've got a lot of experience with um, uh, raising a family and being part of a family, so I'm looking forward to sharing some of my experiences. And some of them you'll say, oh, wow, he's really dumb. And others you'll say, oh, I've done exactly the same thing. I'm dumb too. And some of you will say, no, no, I've never done anything that that bad. And I hope even those will be an encouragement um, to you this morning. So, building stronger relationships. So we 're talking about family, uh, which is why I put the purple family thing in, and it 's really caught the lion 's eye. Have you noticed how different the lion looks? Look there he's quite a, quite intimidating and pretty regal and everything else and it 's amazing how when something catches his eye, he changes. now he 's looking a little bit like don't you think? So I want to talk about um, a whole lot of things to do with family relationships and. Some of it will be parent to child, and some of it will be parent to parent, and some of it will be child to parent, the other way around. But I kind of know more about um, parent to child than I do um, child to parent, so I may major that way. If you've got kids and they're kind of grown, that's all cool. You've got to start with them little, and then they grow, right? But the things still apply. If you haven't got children yet and you're thinking about it, let me encourage you. 90% of the time, it's lots of fun. If your children are a little bit older and you think, oh man, it's too late to kind of do some of the stuff, look, it's never too late to modify things and, and tweak things a wee bit. Children are what you pour into them. You know, to a large extent, we get out what we put in, and that includes the good and the bad and the ugly, and I've thrown just a few up there. I thought of all of the positives and the negatives and things that you can speak into your children or model or pour into your children and stuff, but there wasn't enough room on the slide, so I just stuck a few little examples up and I'm sure you can think of others. If you pour in love into a person and patience into a child, it may not happen in two years, but you start to see exactly those things being exhibited. First, maybe with their siblings that come along, then with their friends, and you see what you put in comes out. It's it's pretty obvious um, for most of us. And I want to talk about um, Proverbs. I love the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is called the book of wisdom because it is smart. And it's experience um, writing and it's experience that people have given to their mistakes and they've learned and they've written it down to save us a whole lot of grief. What I want to say about Proverbs though is I, I love this passage and it's an old chestnut that people pull out all the time. Train up a child in the way they should go and when they're older they'll not depart from it. I'm amazed at how often people have pulled that out for me when my kids are being naughty as opposed to when they're being good and it's not helpful. The last thing a parent wants to hear when they're struggling with their child is, well, if you trained them up in the way they should go because what it does is when your kid does something stupid or something rotten, you start thinking, I have failed as a parent, obviously, because if I'd really trained them up in the ways of the Lord, they would be walking saints. My children happen to be walking saints, all of them, but you know what I'm saying. It's a process. But what I wanted to say about Proverbs, just in general, and um, about the book of Proverbs, is the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It is not a book of mathematics. It is not one plus one will always equal two. The chances of if you do what Proverbs say, this will be the result, is greatly increased. But anyone who tells you that Proverbs is a mathematical book where if I just do this, this will always happen, is setting you up for disappointment and perhaps self-guilt and recrimination and things. But the chances of getting the results that Proverbs promises is significantly higher if you follow the wisdom and the experience that's contained um, in the book of wisdom. But don't think it's some kind of magical thing or some mathematical thing. If I do this and this, it equals that. Because if you think that... If you do this and this and that is not the result, then you're going to think, well, either this is not true at all or somehow I have let the side down and I'm responsible. So really good advice, but I just wanted to say that about Proverbs. Understand a book of wisdom is not a mathematical book or a magical formula on its own. Train up a child in the way they should go and when they're older, they will not depart from it. And I love how the glory of God is shining right through that dad's heart And that same glory and revelation of the father heart of God and the understanding of family and stuff is now being reflected and transferred um, onto the child. And the father heart of God and the sense of God as a family is just so kind of poignantly illustrated in this passage of Scripture. Every time I read this passage, it makes me tear up. It's one of those passages because... You can hear the heart of God in the Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones to death, those who have been sent to her. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen, hen gathers the chicks under her wings, but you were unwilling. You can just hear the pain in that, that Jesus is expressing, the Father heart of God, and he's saying, you know, man, all I've wanted to do, all I've wanted to do is gather you under my wings. Parents, sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? You know, it's to protect and it's to nurture and it's to look after. sometimes at great cost and expense to yourself because this is what family does. And this is the heart of Jesus when he said, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you like a hen gathers. He knew the trouble and the traumas and everything else they were going through. And he says, just shelter under my wings. I will take it all. I'll take it all because you're family. I'm the head of this family, and I will absorb every part of this that I can if you will just shelter under my wings." And I love that as a father. You know, some, I'll talk about it a little bit more later, perhaps, but sometimes my kids have done dumb things, and they've made poor decisions. And initially you go, oh, for goodness sake, I cannot believe. Seriously? But you don't leave them to the consequences because the Father heart of God says, yeah, that wasn't what I advised or you didn't even ask for advice and man, that's about the dumbest thing I've seen this year. But I will support you. I will help you get through this and we will figure it out together. It's not like, well, you made the mistake. You can live with the consequences. We will do this together. If you would just come, just come under my wings. And that's what makes a stronger family that the children that your siblings, that your parents, whichever kind of generational divide we're talking about, that you know that if push comes to shove, when times are tough, that the family gets together, that they hang together, because that builds a grit in a family, and it builds the grit in individuals that says, this is tough, but I'm not on my own. I may have made some stupid decisions, and I'll live with some of the consequences, but my family will absorb and carry as much of that as they can to help me as well. Folks, if you haven't had a family like that, if you were not raised in a family like that, I understand. Uh, My family, in many ways, I I felt was a bit like the white version of Once Were Warriors, if you're familiar with that old film. Um, It wasn't that kind of an environment. But what God did through that environment was cause me as a Christian man, I became a Christian at 20, to start making some vows, That those things that were missing and those things that saddened me and those things that hurt me and those things that frustrated me, I will make a vow I will never, never be that person. It doesn't have to destroy you. You don't have to stay locked in some of that. Now, that's a fairly graphic picture, and some people don't like that one. Some people like that one much more. Because I don't want to leave you with this horrible negative image. Most of the time, family is amazing. And you can still cover your family and support your family. You can surround them with warm hugs and love and warm fluffies and everything else, and it goes good. And we want it to be like this all the time, right? But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not warm and fluffy and nice. But family hangs together. And we all know about bubbles, right, in New Zealand? You know, uh, 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 Andre mentioned that we work for the Church Missionary Society. My wife, Ruth, and I, uh, our roles, uh, we share a role as personnel managers, which means basically we find situations vacant, we find potential missionaries, we recruit, we train, we send them out, we support them pastorally while they're out there, etc., etc. So we do this whole kind of thing. And there was a lady came back from Pakistan just a month or so ago. She managed to miraculously get home when she felt she really needed to um, because of what's going on in the world. And she had two weeks in quarantine, then two weeks travelling around the upper North Island before she came to Christchurch for her debrief with our organisation. And she made a comment and she said, New Zealand is asleep while the rest of the world is burning. Um, which is a pretty graphic statement. It was a little bit frightening. It It arrested my attention. We have done well in this country. And irrespective of who you're voting for, which government you want to support, don't even want to discuss that. But as a country, we've done well, and we understand what a bubble is. We understand how a bubble works, and we know how a good bubble is knocking this thing on the head pretty well. And I love that whole picture that the Holy Lord God of Israel had told all of you, I will keep you safe if you turn back to me and you calm down. I will make you strong if you quietly trust me. In other words, God is saying, if you just come into my bubble, if you remain in my bubble, and calm down, I will make you strong. And this is a picture of family. That family in a perfect world, and it's something you know we're heading towards as an ideal, family creates a bubble for family. It's a place where you can be quiet, you can be close, you can calm down and we become strong. Father heart of God is modelled and it works exactly the same for fathers and for mothers inside your bubble. We know how to do this in the natural and God is saying as a family, as a church, we need to understand how this kind of works. People in your bubble. And one of the things raising children, I mean, I love the picture, and it's just encouraging us, show children, show our children, show our friends, show our family how to deal with the challenges of life. Not how to avoid them, not how to create them, but how to deal with the challenges of life. And if they're younger children, or they're younger than you in some respect, then wait for them and encourage them to follow your example. I'm stunned at how often I see little children who mum and dad are are in church, and these little kids early on, they're like little wee mimics. They follow mum and dad's example of how to worship and how to behave in church. They followed mum and dad's example about how to pray at home or how to read the word before they can even read. Uh, My kids were reading Bibles before they could actually read a letter because they knew there was something important Um, about this um, regular process. Encourage them to follow your example. It's a great thing for parents, irrespective of the age of your kids. I I hope, you know, I'm 62 going on 63, and I know you're really surprised about that, but I seriously am. I mean, I know I look good, okay, but, you know, that's just clean living, right? Well, since 20, anyway, it's got cleaner. Um, But constantly be thinking... People are still looking, your family are still watching you, whether they're siblings or parents or children or nephews or nieces or grandchildren, they are watching. and You don't become really paranoid about them and be something you're not. God help us from being hypocritical and two-faced, but be aware that they are following our example and people do take a lead from us. And sometimes those people are older than us. It's not automatically, it's only the younger ones. People are watching. So I I put a disclaimer on that as well. Um, I don't want my children just to follow in my footsteps. God's taken my wife and I and our family on some amazing journeys. I mean, man, we have adventures. If I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I've got no regrets. It's been amazing. Some of it's been difficult, but it's been an amazing journey how God has taken us from this to this. But I don't want to just say to my kids, just follow in my footsteps. I want them to take a path next to me. So we're in partnership and we're discussing and working kind of things out as we go. But I want my kids to go way further than I'd ever dreamed possible. I love seeing, um, you know, Hannah and Andre at at this age and comparing myself at that age. And when I was, we'd done missions and things and then I was pastoring a little church at Golden Bay at about these guys' age. Um, I cannot believe how much better they do this than I did. You know, I mean, when you're 37 or 38, you only know what a 37 or 38-year-old knows, pretty much. Um, and I look back at 37, 38, and I think, oh, man, I, could, I would have done this and this and this way differently than, than I do now. Um, and so I'm really excited to see my children and my grandchildren doing it better than me at the same age or the same position, saying, wow, I wasn't even thinking about this stuff at that age, and they're already kind of wrestling with this and implementing this stuff. You know, this is what we want to see happen. Very exciting for stronger families. And I'm very mindful with our children, and again, I mean, I'm speaking children because I know more about being a dad to children than, than anything else, perhaps. Um, but speak to your children as if they are the wisest, most beautiful, amazing human beings around And you can speak it into existence. It's not a magical thing, again, it's not a mathematical thing, but the chances of your child becoming those things that you've spoken into their lives is greatly increased. It's not just some robotic mantra that you repeat to them every night, it's that you find ways to enjoy them and affirm them and believe and speak into them, and it's most likely they will become what you say for better or for worse. What are you saying? What are you imparting? And it's not just for your own kids. This affects siblings, it affects parents, it affects close friends and relatives. What we speak into someone is most likely what they will become. And the example we set for our kids about how to act when things don't go the way we want is much more important than the rules we set for them. It's very easy to have some rules and things, but I'm just mindful that my kids have got um, lots of memories of the way I responded to things, sometimes not so good. And the kids are like, whoa, whoa, that is over the top. I think I'm the only granddad around who's been told by his grandchildren, granddad, can you turn your stereo down? It's too loud. And I'm not saying whether that's a good or a bad thing but kids and family and people are watching us. And it's not so much about the rules of Christian behavior that we set, it's the memories and it's the things that are observed that are going to make the difference. One of the things I've said um, when I'm teaching in Bible college, or even when I'm preaching actually, is I hope, and any of you can test this, anytime I hope that the guy that you see standing up the front speaking is not different than the guy you'd see if you invited me for lunch I hope that if you and I go fishing or you go out on a motorcycle ride oh I love motorcycles I've got a big ugly triumph Um, I hope that the guy that you see is the same guy that you'd see here that there's not this kind of two-face thing going on Uh, very important that we don't have a church face and a home face right and in all circumstances in life, take up the shield of faith for which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil. And this is our responsibility, particularly as parents or as elders or seniors, is to recognize there are things we can do in the Spirit and there are things we can do um, in God's way that will actually cover a whole lot of stuff that could actually hit our siblings, hit our children, etc. Et they may have no clue it's even going on. And I love this picture of this dad. Man, he's shielding his little daughter from all the stuff. And all she knows is he's on one knee giving her a bunch of flowers. Sometimes at certain ages, that's really, really important. Uh, I know some Christian families, and they share everything with their kids, including the good and the bad and the ugly of Christian life and spirits and demonic activity and, and this. From a really little age, I don't like that much. I don't like that much personally. I think there's a time and a place where you say, you know what, my kids are oblivious to what I'm kind of protecting them from and holding them from. That makes a strong family. That you're not giving kids things that are greater than they can handle depending on their age or their maturities. Yeah. And uh, this became really helpful for me years ago. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I was raised in a non-Christian home as I mentioned before. Uh, my dad could be a pretty violent kind of a person. And um, they became Christians eight years after I did, which was really awesome because they died not many years after that. Mum and Dad both died quite young um, through, uh, I guess you'd say, uh, self-inflicted medication. And, um, but one of the things was... I had a lot of memories, probably more difficult and bad memories, than I had good memories, even as a Christian. And I'm told to honour my parents, and I'm thinking, well, what do I honour them for? I know they got saved eight years before they died, and I have to tell you, that was the most beautiful eight years of having my parents around. They changed so much, it was huge. Um, But what did honour mean? When I didn't feel like we were raised well and that we were treated well um, in a whole lot of cases, they did their best with what they knew, but they didn't know much, it seems to me. Honour your father and mother. Jewish tradition says that the word honour actually stretches out into live in such a way that when people look at you and how you live your life, they say, you must have had an amazing upbringing. Live in such a way and behave in such a way that people say, you must have had really amazing parents. And I find that really helpful for honour. And some of you, your parents are dead and gone like mine. doesn't matter. Honour them by how you live your life and how you represent yourself. You may have been estranged from your parents, Um, you may not be talking to them, you may have had a falling out with them, whatever stuff happens, honour your parents. Teenagers, children, if they get to listen to this, live in such a way that people will say, you must have amazing parents. Your parents must be really together because, man, look at you. Um, everyone can do that. Do I honour what my mum and dad did to us growing up and had the memories and things? No, of course I don't. Some of it was really stupid, some of it was mean. But live in such a way that people say, wow, you must have amazing parents. Um, honour your father and mother so that you, that's me, selfish little me, so that I may live long in the land that the Lord my God has given me. Uh, Very important. Does that make sense? Good. I'm glad it makes some kind of sense. It's been percolating for a while. And Proverbs. Keep your father's command. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart and fasten them around your neck. Now, there's a whole lot of Jewish tradition which I I won't even go into just because of time because I can see the clock ticking down here. But uh, when you walk, they will guide you. So your father's commands and your mother's teachings, when you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they'll watch over you. When you wake, they will speak to you. This is how families become strong, is the parents teaching and showing this and encouraging the children to give it a try. I recommend that you do this and this and this. Give it a try and let me know what the results are. Again, Proverbs, it's not magic. If you do this and this, it won't always happen, but your chances are greatly increased of having a strong family, a God-honoring family, and a bit of grit in the family so that when tough time comes, you don't chuck your toys out of the cot. You hang in there as a, as a family, and you say, we will get through this together. Now, sometimes family can be the most difficult people in the world. Sometimes they can be obnoxious, and they say, I don't care about all that. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and uh, there's nothing you can do about it. So there's times where this simply doesn't work. But your chances of this working as a family, as an extended family, is greatly increased. And it's worth knowing. All of the above. I'm convinced this is about looking at the generation alongside me, the next generation down, which you know will be people from 50 down right down to grandchildren who are little ones, I'm convinced that the only way we're going to see God's kingdom and God's kingdom rule and God's kingdom way of living established on this earth is if every generation does it better than the one before. If my kids do not have a more God-honoring life and family and Christian walk than I do, if it's just the same as mine or even less than mine, we're in trouble. The church is in trouble, the world is in trouble, Eternity's in trouble. But when we start planning and thinking and proactively putting things in place to say, "How can my siblings, or how can my children, or how can my grandchildren, um, how can I help them to do it better than I ever dreamed possible?" God's kingdom's going to come. It's not going to come if we're just carbon copies of ourselves. It's not going to come if the next generation are not living for Jesus to the degree we are. It's got to increase. And you start believing that this is the answer. This is the answer to the world. This is how eternity is going to come. And then you start saying, what can I do? What is my responsibility? What part do I have to play in this happening? And if my son-in-law and my daughter say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I agree with that, what's their responsibility? Well, their responsibility is to get smart and get active. And to chase after God and say, yeah, Dad's done okay, but he's 62. You know, he's getting a bit slow to be winning the race now, but he's still kind of plodding along. But my goal is to overtake him. I'll wait for him at the finish line and applaud him when he finally crawls over. But my job is to outrun the generation before me. And I say, go Dre. Go Hannah. 20 years ago, maybe when I was less secure than I am now, when I was, say, 40 if there was a young twenty five year old was preaching and and he's doing a good job and secretly I actually knew he was doing better than me, I'd be oh, yeah. you know, who you think yeah there's a few things you haven't learned about life yet, sonny. Life's gonna bring you down, it's all chipping now, but you just you know, that was in there. But now that I've got into my sixties, that's gone. I just think, man, I want to see this fifty five year old do things that I never dreamed of. You know, I want to see this 38, 39, 40, I don't know what you are, doesn't really matter. You know, 37, I want to see this 40-year-old guy. He's just had his birthday. Okay. Look, I've got, I've, got t- I've got 10 children, uh, including in-laws, and I've got 10 grandchildren, it's 20 people. He wants me to remember all their birthdays. This hard drive has limited capacity. I have to be very selective about what I keep in there now because if I keep that in, I'm going to forget to brush my teeth. (laughs) Right? Just so I know. This is my family, and uh, they pretty much, no matter how many times I look at this photo, this is um, one of my sons, Jai, his wedding. Um, The boys are twins, and uh, Jai was the most recently married, two years ago. Um, When I look at that photo, I think, They are pretty much a perfect family, right? I mean, United Nations is well represented. Um, They're pretty much the perfect family, right? 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 You don't know them. You don't know them. And it's a marvelous photo, but I can look at each one of them and say, wow, you look gorgeous, wow, you look handsome, wow, you look amazing, and they are. But I know stuff. I know stuff. I know it's a journey. And it is for each of us. It's a journey and just continuing to be challenged by God personally to build up family, to make a strong family. And all of that stuff is about communication. Sometimes in families, we get it wrong. There's times when mum and dad have not heard people. There's times when we've misunderstood and there's been times where, I hope not deliberately, but there's been times where we've said hurtful things. Well, that happens, right? That's life. We've all got memories of that that scar us and damage us. But what's really important with building a stronger family is that the person who is hurt has to rise above that hurt and have the courage to go and say, we need to talk. And oh my gosh, my family and my kids have done that to me a few times, and it is uncomfortable. Sometimes, as soon as something comes out of my mouth, I know that it wasn't helpful. Sometimes things will come out of my mouth that I truly, truly intended to be supportive and encouraging, but the way they heard it was, wow, you have just really downed me. But instead of holding that and letting that fester and build and become something ridiculously bigger than it actually is, for goodness sake, go to the person and say, Dad, we need to have an uncomfortable little situation because you blankety-blank, blank, blank. blank." And if you're any kind of a mum or a dad or a brother or a sister or a sibling, you will say, you know what, you're right. Or, no, that's not what I meant, but I can understand how you're feeling and I can see how you could see it like that. That wasn't what I intended. Many years ago, young Dre, poor Dre, when he came into our family, mate, we are opinionated, we are loud, there's a lot of us, and Dre was fairly quiet in some respects. Hard to believe. We've done a lot of work with Dre. <laughs> but he was a little bit kind of intimidated by us, I think, as a family, and there'd be times where two or three times Dre, Dre would try and say something and he'd try and put his opinion in an opinion, and we were all just blah, blah, blah. And it took ages before we started to realise he would just dry up. He'd try two or three times, and if nobody listened to him, he'd just kind of let it go. But there came a point where we needed to be aware that it was happening. And I don't recall if it was Dre or it was Hannah. Started so to say, you know what? You know what message that sends? And it's like, oh my gosh, that's the last thing we'd want him to think. And sometimes we'd have to push pause and say, okay, pause, Dre, 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 your turn, so he could get a word in but he's learnt a lot, right? Because they brought it to our attention and he didn't kind of throw his toys out of the cot and quit. And you know, as your senior pastor, there is times when he can be very assertive if it's needed. It's something that you learn when you talk together, when you cooperate together, when you don't get these little things way out of proportion into something huge and unfixable. And those discussions can be a little bit awkward. And recognise that People don't always hear what you've said or they don't feel the intention that you have with the things you say. My father, when when we were kids, and I'm going to close in a minute, my father, when we were kids, if we hurt ourselves, my father would say, you stupid little blankety-blank, blank, blank, I told you not to. And that was the comfort and support we got when we were little kids and we were hurt and crying. So when we got married, my wife and I, and I think about the time we had our first child, our eldest daughter, Esther, she's a, a pastor at um, Hope Presbyterian um, If one of my children, early on in our marriage, um, hurt themselves, say they fell off their bike, or, you know they jammed their finger in something or whatever something in me would well up, and I would grab that bike, or I would grab that thing, and I would smash it to pieces. And I've picked up supermarket trolleys and bicycles and I've slammed them into brick walls until they're in pieces because something in me was so angry at the thing that has hurt my child, but I didn't want to project onto my child. So do you think they come away with a good impression of, Daddy didn't smash the kid, but he smashed their bike or the supermarket trolley? You wouldn't believe how far I can throw a supermarket trolley with one hand. <laughs> well, I used to when I was younger, anyway. But one of my sons... And so I realized this was an anger problem, took me a few years, but I realized this is probably an inappropriate over-response and my kids are getting freaked. So I decided I would work on this and I would just calm myself down. And so when one of my kids hurt themselves, instead of wanting to smash their bike or say, you stupid little blank blank and, and, and lose my temper with them, I would smile gently, And I'd encourage them. And my son, Abel, who's a worship pastor at um, Activated in Stockburn, fine young man, when he was a little fella, and he would hurt himself, usually because he'd do something, I'd say, son, don't do that. If you're going to ride your bike on that gravel road, wear your helmet. I don't need a helmet. And anyway, I decided I can't lose my temper and get mad at him. I have to be nice. And so I'd smile to calm him down. And I'd be encouraging, and I'd say to him, be a brave little soldier when he was hurt. So controlled, so good. And then about three years ago, when he's about 25, he'd come back from Cambodia, him and his wife often live in Cambodia. And he came back from Cambodia, and we were talking in the car one night, and he says, oh, he says, you know, Dad, you know what used to really, really brass me off about you? When we were kids, and when I would hurt myself, you would have a little smirk on your face and you'd be mocking me, saying, be a brave little soldier, and you were making fun of my pain. And I'm like, what? I was trying so hard to be a good dad and be calm and reassuring and encouraging. It's okay, son, you'll be a brave... And all he saw was sarcasm and mockery. And he lived with that, and he resented that until he was about 24, 25 years of age. And I'm like, oh my gosh, son... You need to revisit this as an adult. This is not how it was. And for him, it was like, my dad was being a nice guy. (laughs) Oh my gosh, how often do we do that, people? With parents and with siblings and with our, our, our kids and our grandkids. And it all comes down to if you think there's something, just say, are we okay here? Is there something that we need to talk about? Please, 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 and I we say this to Hannah and and, and Dre quite often, you know, if there's something, please say it. Because we're not mind readers, we're not psychic. If there's something going on, or something you're not sure about, or you're a little bit upset about something, for goodness sake, take the courage and confront this big, scary father or father-in-law and just say, can we have a little talk about something? Because I'm a teddy bear. I've got one claw so beware, but I'm a teddy bear, and get over yourself and talk about it. Stronger families is all about communication. And it's all about saying, I believe in you. I expect in God that you're going to do better things than I have done. I expect you to be a shining star. And incidentally, you guys are going great, but your kids, my grandchildren, my DNA, they're going to do even better than you. They're going to leave you for dead. And that's how the kingdom comes. There's a lot more I could say. I've got four pages, and I'm not even going to say it. How blessed are you? (laughs) But feel free to talk to us at any time. God bless you. Thank you for listening this morning. Um, I'll hand it over to Dre if he wants to do the kind of however you round things up and close them here. It's all up to you. God bless you.